Let's get this party started. You have a boring day job, but you really want to rock out. This is your tribe. This is Soundwaves TMI. Hey, here it is, everybody. Soundwaves TMI. Stephen Kirk here with Dennis Willis, Woo-hoo. Chasta, and hey, look down to the end of the table. There's hey, Joe Hawk. Is there there is everybody. Hey, Joe. Hi. But thanks for joining us, buddy. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, for the uninitiated, <laughs> Joe Hawk is one of our uh, many, many hosts on Soundwaves TV, uh-huh. joining us for the first time on the podcast. Yeah. It is your excited. first time, isn't it? It yeah. is. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Welcome wow. aboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So right, we buddy. have a fun one this week, actually, um, because Chasta's got an amazing interview, but we're going to set it up. But that interview uh, kind of introduces the idea of legacy and what lives beyond us, because yeah. the interview is with Savoy Brown, mm-hmm. uh, a legendary blues act, but the gentleman who started the band 60 years ago. Yeah has recently passed on, but the yeah. band is going to continue. Yeah. And that got all of us talking about, like, first of all, that whole other question about, you know, bands living on beyond and should they and everything and how long Kiss is going to be here into the 25th century. But, <laughs> right. yeah. but, but the legit idea of what does live beyond its creator. Yeah, you know, it was an interesting conversation because it it comes down to maybe what that person wanted when they were alive. I mean, that's part of the question you need to ask yourself, I think, right. you know. Um, did they want it to die with them? <laughs> Screw you guys, I'm going out, it's going out with me. <laughs> Screw you guys, I'm going home. So you have to ask yourself that. And then, you know, what will it be without that person? Are you creating new music? Because in this case, he's such a part of it. He is Savoy Brown. Mm-hmm. What will it sound like without his right, work right. down the line? So I think that would be a really um, emotional, obviously, emotional decision to make, but also really tough personally to decide what to do with that. I mean, in this case, he worked with uh, Savoy Brown until li- on his, basically his deathbed. You'll hear me talk mm-hmm. about that in the interview. I mean, he was in the hospital listening to like final mixes. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah, that's yeah. dedication. You know, I always joke about like if I were a rock star, I would die on stage. I would do it until I literally took my last breath. That's exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. How cool is mm-hmm. that? I mean, yeah. to be able to do that. So this this interview was really interesting. It was for a few reasons. I was also talking to the uh, two fellas in the back seat of, I think, a tour bus or a van <laughs> or a something right before they were going on stage. Right. So in the middle of the interview, we get interrupted because somebody opens the door like, hello, you got to go on stage. <laughs> That's great. It was just a different kind of interview than had it ever happened. And it was on a, on a phone. So they were like sitting on top of each other trying to squish into the frame. So anyway, it's entertaining. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the question kind of is, and we've we've touched on this a little bit before when an original band members leave and the, the other band keeps, the rest of the band keeps going on like mm-hmm. uh, Oingo Boingo. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny Elfman. Right. You know, yeah. uh, how much is that? one person responsible for the sound, the feel, the the, the content. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you just taking that person out of the mix and then playing all their stuff and making money going out on tour? Mm-hmm. Or are you creating new stuff that's mm-hmm. in the same vein mm-hmm. and all that? Mm-hmm. And yeah, when somebody passes on, you want that music that they've created to be able to go on. Yeah. You know, and are, yeah. are you doing it because you just want to put asses in the seats and, and make money? Or are you... Are you championing the legacy of the music that was created because some of the stuff does deserve to to live on and mm-hmm. to continue mm-hmm. as opposed to just being oh well okay well he's dead so we're just going to move on mm-hmm. right i mean that's why we have classical music that's why we have music from the 30s 40s 50s you know everything from mm-hmm. the past still comes back and is reinterpreted by new artists or you 
dropped a needle on the old record from back in the and day. And actually, this is I learned from my dad back in the days. He was a big jazz nut, a big uh, big band guy. Yeah. And so like you'd have like the Glenn Miller Orchestra, but Glenn Miller dies. But yeah. the Glenn but Miller they, Orchestra went on for 40 years. Exactly. Oh, wow. yeah. Keeping the name and everything. Absolutely. Yeah. You bet. You there bet. are several examples of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if we want to play Savoy Brown's interview first and then really get into it because we should talk about Gary Rossington. I mean, most recently, mm-hmm. that's right. a big key point for Leonard Skinner, right. the last original member is no longer with us. What does that mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's different with Skinner because a lot of the members that are currently in Skinner have also been in there for decades. Yeah. Sure. So yeah. they're kind of just as much Skinner as anyone else. And so where's they, that line? And they're also saying that they're going out on top. I was like, but they're like another one of the bands. Like, when are they going to finally end? And I, and I hope never. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know it's it's kind of like a family business almost, though. You know, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. Le- Leonard Skinner yeah. and Sons, you know, right. kind of right. thing. Where, where, and grandsons yeah. and grandsons. And it gen- yeah. Generationally, you bring on the next generation that comes up and carries on the legacy and moves on. So something like that, I can mm-hmm. I can get behind. I can understand that because if you're if you're part of that, even if it's a small part at the beginning of your journey, by the time these people start to drop off, this is the new generation of that same band, that same sound and everything. So I can kind of get behind that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really kind of depends if that's why they're doing it, though, for me. Personally. I like that better than I like Gene Simmons, the way that he framed Kiss. Like, he's looking... Oh. I look at Skinner as a legacy and, like, a family and a, almost a musical heritage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's because that was a band I was raised with. Oh, so it makes yeah. me think of my parents and grandparents and all that. But Kiss is more of a brand. That's a brand. Right. So yeah. you can put makeup right. on any talented musician and go, you're Kiss. That's, like, two different concepts yep. mm-hmm. is yeah. one bad not yeah. necessarily it's but different. it's a different motivator yeah well it's maybe. a different time now i think gene simmons i hate to say it was ahead of his time mm-hmm. when he started positioning kiss as a brand because i think now that's how everybody gets into the game yeah you know like mm-hmm. 21st century is you're thinking about the brand more mm-hmm. you know everyone has Whereas their own brand. i like your version yeah. about you know um, I mean, it becomes a family at like uh, when Genesis, uh, Phil Collins' uh, son was the drummer, mm-hmm. you know, and you look at the Stones, there's what, two left, yeah. you know, when Charlie died or yeah. three left, there's three left. Yeah, yeah. there's three yeah. left. Yeah. 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 But when Charlie died, they just brought in another drummer and, and they're going to continue on. They right. continue their tour. Mm-hmm. You know, is that crass? Is that business? Is it honoring the legacy of this 60 year old thing? Yeah. Well, Cheap Trick is kind of kind of the same right. thing, too, mm-hmm. you know, because Bun E. Carlos hasn't played with the band for, you know couple of decades now, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and Dax Nielsen came in to, mm-hmm. to take over and he's been with the band for a long time and that's the band and everything. But that's one of those things, too. You know, Bun decided that he wasn't going to be part of that going on the tour, doing the thing anymore. He's still, you know, cashing the checks that he gets from being a part of the original band and mm-hmm. everything. And it's for me personally, as a, a kind of a purist, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I kind of I, I love Cheap Trick and I will go see him every chance I get. But there's still that part of me that goes, it's it's three quarters cheap trick. Uh, you, know? Uh, you know, what's interesting. U2 has this residency and the drummer's not playing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's the first time in what, 40 odd years mm-hmm. that there's that those four guys have broken apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, man, there's some hate online for U2 right mm. now. Man. I don't know what's going on. I don't know have either. you noticed that? No, I don't know either. It's weird. One, it's I'm like, not the biggest U2 fan. I just well, apparently you know, there I, are a lot of people that feel that way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I and I've always liked you too. Have they ever been in my top five favorite bands? No, but I respect what they do. Yeah, sure. I like it. Yeah. But for some reason, they're really drumming up some hate comments recently, and I just don't. I haven't did really figured out why. Like, send everybody a new I know. And that was the worst again. You get free music, and it caused so much hate that you didn't yeah. want. Yeah. I mean, you would never think like. 
that would be such a I problem. Know. Right. But it yeah. turned into such a thing. It did. Because you couldn't delete it. I, yeah, that's That why. was the thing. Like, you go, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That's weird. You go, try to delete it. And it's like, no, you're not authorized to do that. You're like, like now it just, now it's to another level. Right, you know? right. Yeah. It's this time true. it's personal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. My, my wife somehow found her old iTunes library. And we were listening through it like, oh, my God, you were so angsty as a teen. <laughs> then, that, then that song came up and like, ah, skip. But it came up three more times in the rotation. Right. Wow. I don't even remember oh. what song that was, to be totally honest either. with you. I mean, I kind of stopped with you, too. And like the early 2000s I think like, same same like some they reason. had that really great album in 2005 yeah. uh, the Atomic Bomb album yeah. with yeah. Um, not even Beautiful Day that was before but yeah. um, uh, um, Vertigo was yeah. Vertigo that's a great song that was a killer song. Killer song and it's like all of a sudden it was just like yes 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 I don't care anymore yeah, <laughs> it was weird yeah. at the same time Ooh. yeah that yeah. exact same thing happened to me and I have no idea why it was just like okay you. it's like they all died in my life and it's just like we will never see more U2 ever again maybe it's a U2 curse or something because I you know guess. you get to that point and it stops and now all of a sudden everybody's all hating on U2 they it's are just- and, and by the way this sphere uh, thing in Las Vegas where they're playing. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. Oh, the, the big, big massive, ball. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a big yeah. ball stadium. Oh, is oh. that what it is? It, yeah, it's oh. called That's the Sphere. That, well, it's it's a new place. Oh, they're okay. basically okay. opening it or whatever you want to call it. I they're guess for the first it, one, they're kicking it off. Okay, and and the Super Bowl commercials. Uh, what I didn't see the Super Bowl, but I saw this this commercial was super cool. I mean, it's the sphere sort of, you know, floating around and it's U2 and it's all this cool stuff. And I thought, uh, wow, it's well done. And it was just not I did not well put perceived. What, two and U2 together. So two and U2. <laughs> yeah, I, <couldn't. laughs> yeah, I want to go to it. The the concept, I guess, of the venue is like it's like a ball. It's like a sphere. I mean, that's yeah. what it's mm-hmm. called. It looks really neat. It's something different. I so think. hopefully not a bad seat in the house. If it's yeah. Just a giant round. Except for and this may be an unpopular opinion we're kind of going off the tracks here but yeah. chase center like i'm not crazy about the right. setup of the chase center because yeah. i feel like i'm going to fall to my death yeah. at any moment because it is little, so little, straight little, little too yeah. soon from uh, the previous fallen to yeah, death yeah i mean i mean truly though because like if you've had a couple beers and you're way up yeah. there it's freaking steep. Yeah. Dude, it, 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 the first time I was there, when we went to Metallica, yeah. we stepped out on the, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it was like one of those, you know, like in Nepal, those staircases. So you see, uh, like, totally. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, you know. SAP Center is just as bad, too. Really? Oh, the oh. Upper, upper level? Is oh, it like that too? It's pretty steep. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you have uh, claustrophobia, it's not because when you sit, like the next seat is just bumped up right right against you to your knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's weird. Yeah, me being a smaller guy, I, I'm not so bad about it, but I can imagine it's like baby Huey's got to oh you know, yeah gotta, <laughs> shit and bricks when he's he can gotta, only go there if he gets a sweet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? There you go. Which he's they the are guy. sweet. I'll tell you that the sweets are sweet at the Chase Center. I will. Yeah, you're right on that. Anyway, nice. sorry to nice. derail. Well, before we get into the interview, we got all over the place on that. Holy shit. I, I, I'm going to drive us back on the road. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so uh, Joe Hawk was doing some killer research before we started the show about legacy. And I think the ultimate legacy is like not only just living beyond us, but living beyond our solar system. You know, like sending like what music we choose to say, hey, aliens, this is what we've got going on. And I, it, it was kind of a great. Yeah. List. You know, like that golden disc that they sent out years ago, like I was trying to we were talking off air, uh, you know, what was on there. And, and that's know, on the Voyager spacecraft. Yeah, the Voyager st- right. spacecraft. And, you know, they have all the classics, you know, Bach, Beethoven, Mozart. But Chuck Berry's Johnny B. Good is on there. And nice. actually it, it, it drummed up a lot of controversy because people were saying, like, it's rock is too adolescent. 
And we but, say, fuck off. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Carl Sagan's like, screw you. I'm putting it on there. Have you met Earth? We need a good representation of what's going on yeah. down here if the aliens and are honestly, coming. Johnny B. Good is such a great representation. Chuck Berry is a very good representative yeah. to yeah. put up there. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, man, that would be an interesting topic altogether if you put your space capsule together. Oh, I love this podcast Ooh, topic. Yeah. <laughs> if you had your own space capsule of music, what would you put on it? Oh, okay, we'll say. We'll, oh, we'll, right? We'll table, yeah, we'll yeah, I know. Someone that. write that down before Com- I forget it. <laughs> coming up on Sunwaves TMI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you know, fuck, fuck that island playlist right? thing. No, this is a thing that's going to be, you know, when when the earth is nothing but a cinder. Exactly. You know, and there's nothing left. Your music is going to be out there and it's, aliens are going to be going, island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only thing left, my island boys. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Still nice. floating around out there. All right. So let's set this up. This is great. This is uh, this is Chasta's interview with Savoy Brown. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like I said, fascinating story. And they're on tour now. Yeah. You yes, know, they like are. they're already back. Back on stage with somebody else. Yeah, yeah, they're they're moving on. So yeah. when you listen to this, just imagine that you're in the back seat of a tour bus with us. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and you'll have uh, you'll slide right in. It'll be a good time. Beautiful. Chasta here. You're watching Sideways TV, and I'm so excited to have essentially the rhythm section, if you will, of Savoy Brown on with me. Hello, Pat and Garnett. How are you guys? Where are you guys? Is a better question. <laughs> We're in Sarasota, Florida. We're about to play a gig with the Sean Chambers band. So we're, we're, uh, we're getting ready to work. Yep, that is amazing. Up. Are you guys in your bus in a van? It looks like you're cozy in the back seat somewhere. <laughs> no, yeah, we're, we're in a Bentley. We're in a, we're in our Ferrari. Perfect. <laughs> I have to tell you, this is the first interview I've done with anybody in a Bentley. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. This, <laughs> this is very cool. I am, I'm quite honored uh, that you're carving out time for me right before you hit the stage. This is really cool. So welcome to Soundwaves TV. Uh, you guys, you already know, but I'm sure you're humble enough. Uh, you were legends in the blues rock world. I am a big blues fan. And uh, Savoy Brown has been around for since the mid-60s. You guys have played with um, Kim since when? Early early to mid-90s? Uh, well, I'll... I'll let Pat start that one because Pat Pat met Kim a little bit before I did. And Pat is pretty, pretty much responsible for getting me in there on the drum throne. So I'll let, I'll let Pat start that. Yeah. We started playing, uh, recording with Kim in 2009. We did an acoustic record. Mm -hmm. 1999. 1999. I was going to say, it's been longer than that, right? Yeah, it has been. Yeah, 1999, but I'd known Kim since the uh, late 80s. We were friends. Okay. And um, we struck up a relationship, but he knew at that time I had a I had a family I was starting and, and, a, and a job. So he, you know, but one day he did come over to my house and he just said, he go, you know, was asking me about touring and I, I just couldn't do it at that point. Yeah. And um, anyways, what had happened is, uh, not to wander on this, but Jerry got sick, the bass player. And uh, I wound up doing a short West Coast tour. Actually, we went to San Francisco and L.A. We were all over the place. And when I came back, he asked me to join the band. And uh, what we're trying to do is we wanted to rehearse more. And the drummer was from New York City at that time. So uh, Garnett got in the band and we started. uh, We we, That's um, history from there. 
Yeah, so Pat, and uh, when I met Kim, it was around, uh, I I was invited by a mutual friend to do some recording uh, with Kim that had nothing to do with Savoy Brown, ended up uh, for a solo project. uh, So uh, when I went in the studio that day, this guy was there, and uh, we ended up doing some playing together, and uh, and, uh, you know, we ended up uh, all becoming friends, and uh, and also, Kim ended up with uh, a acoustic record called Blues Like Midnight. So uh, a couple of good things came out of that day. And uh, like Pat said, it wasn't until uh, sometime later that we actually got to join the band. Um, and uh, during the time that uh, Pat was <clears throat> uh, trying to get into shape to play that tour that he was telling you about, uh, I learned... Uh, I basically learned the material so I could rehearse with Pat and we would go out to Kim's place and rehearse the set. So, uh, um, so it just kind of, we kind of fell into, uh, you know, it was easy to fall into a groove since we were all friends anyway. So, so that, that was the beginning, uh, you know, we, I don't know, that was about almost 14 years ago, I think 2009 and took us all the way to present. So yeah, it's amazing. You know, that's one of the coolest things I think about music. Uh, and there's so many cool things about music. It's, it, you know, the universal language. But sometimes I think it brings um, brotherhoods and sisterhoods together. It's like the universe has already worked it out way up here. And then somehow music brings humans together uh, to make that kind of magic. And I, I really think that's the case for all of you guys. And, you know, I do want to say um, wholeheartedly, I'm sorry for your loss. You know, anyone in the blues world knows uh, Kim Simmons. And and if you don't know, uh, he was the creator of Savoy Brown back in the 60s, uh, came over from across the pond and, uh, you know, has just created so so much music. I don't even know how many albums my guess would be somewhere past 30. Um, but, you know, so past much 42. past 42, around 42. Just with Savoy and then another five solo records, I believe. That's incredible. I mean, what a legacy. Uh, but Kim passed, uh, I believe, in December. So my condolences <laughs> to you guys because you lost you. a musical brother, but also uh, a friend, you know, and and I'm sure this has been difficult to say the least on a personal and professional level. But what I will say is congratulations on being a part of the last moment of a musician and and to play up until the very end, to do it till the very end. That's incredible. And and how does it feel for you guys to be a part of that magic? Well, I think it's huge to be a part of that legacy. You know, I mean, uh, uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, Kim was someone who, uh, if he wanted to, he could t- talk all day to you about, you know, the 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 musicians he played with and uh, how he was on the cutting edge of rock and roll in the sixties and seventies and um, the careers he helped launch. Mm -hmm. But I have to tell you, when you talk to him personally, he was just pretty much, you know, a humble spirit. And, uh, and we're doing uh, an interview right now. He was a humble spirit and had some English uh, sensitivity. And and, uh, so he was, Sorry about that. Oh, that's quite all right. I've been backstage at many a festival, many a show. I know how it goes. <laughs> it's all good. So, I mean, he had some English 
uh, humility and reserve. And you really wouldn't know if you met him on the street that you were talking to this creative giant, you know? Right. Oh, that's so, uh, yeah. I mean, so for me, uh, to be a part of that was, uh, humbling, you know, and, and, uh, and, and I'm full of gratitude, but also sad because, you know, this creative giant is gone. So yeah. he silenced the voice and, uh, so he wrote a lot of music, this guy. Yeah. And he was a good, a good painter too, by the way. If you oh, go I to know. The Absolutely. Beautiful yeah. work. Yeah. 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 Garnett, how, how do you feel about being a part of this legacy and, and being able to do something so intimate with somebody before they pass? I mean, that's something special that not everyone gets to experience. Well, you mean Pat? Pat. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it was. It was or very I said humbling. Pat, I'm sorry. I said Garnett. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it was a very humbling. Uh, it was. Um, it was I uh, was very lucky to be able to play with him and and uh, it helped me grow as a musician quite a bit. So, yeah. and we got to travel the world and I always said, we always had the best seat in the house. Yeah. No kidding. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine that is the truth. I, I have always been a huge blues fan since I was a little girl. I was raised on blues and jazz and country because I'm from Southern Oklahoma. Um, and so my family would go way back and, and dig into the, the real good stuff, right. Where, where it began. Uh, where are some of your favorite places to play and, or to see blues? I'm a big mm. fan of New Orleans. I may be that may be a leading yeah. question. <laughs> well, New, yeah, New New Orleans is definitely a cool place. Um, uh, but you know, uh, I mean, the good thing about blues is it's pretty hearty music, and it's being played all around the world. Mm -hmm. I have to say, for me personally, with Kim, and uh, I mean, I enjoyed our trips to Europe. Uh, the the European fans are are very uh, they're very good. I they're mean, enthusiastic, they, they, that's for sure. Yeah, they're very enthusiastic. Uh, they, they show up, uh, they, you know, they're not to me anyway, uh, they don't seem to be very fickle, you know, they, they, they like you, they like you, they're, they're going to show up, you know, there's no, they don't care about the flavor of the month, you know, whoever that may be. They just, they just like it, the bands they like. So, um yeah if you if you go over there and you tour and you work hard you get a fan base i mean they come out to see you so that that's some of my favorite places to play so mm -hmm. mm. what about yeah, you yeah yeah i always like playing the iridium in new york city it's, mm. it was always a, a real good venue and we got to do some great festivals over the years and uh I don't know. I was, I'm thinking I, I, there's so many places. It isn't really the venue. It's the moment when you're playing and the crowd is enthusiastic. You know, you've done your job at that point. Yeah. So when you're playing a show, it's it's it could be anywhere. We've played like the surf ball. We played some pretty iconic venues over the years. Sure. And um, it's just it's just the people make the evening, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, that's that's our job is is to take them away for a while and, and give them some great music. That's one um, of the reasons I think I've loved blues so much is that it's one of the the genres of music that I feel like I'm comfortable just putting on an album and letting it play. I I know what I'm going to get. It's like comfort food. <laughs> it's comfort right, yeah, for right. the soul, right? It's not going to wait, take any crazy turns on me. It's going to be soulful. It's going to tell me a story. 
And that's why I think I love seeing it in live so much is I'll grab a drink and you just like get to a place, get cozy and experience it. I mean, so as a as a fan of you guys and your music, uh, you know, thank you for for that experience, because it is one of the the magical moments of life, to be honest. Thank you. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I uh, if I could, I'd like to, to ask people to uh, check out the new record, go to the. Go to the Savoy Brown website, please. Uh, there's a lot of information there. You can get history of the band. You can get uh, Kim's music and his artwork. His artwork, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I, I just want to mention that uh, before uh, we end our interview, that that's a good place to go to find out more about the band if you don't know about the band. Yeah. No chance. Are you a musician at all? I'm not. I'm married to a professional drummer, though. He oh, okay. uh, and we own a music well, center. I'm a smart girl. Right. Garnett approves. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's you know I have the uh, the kind of musical conversations. Now I'm not a musician, so I only know from a consumer point. And I've played rock and roll on the radio for 20 years, so there's that. Um, but I have the the very intense conversations about snare sounds and, and things like that. <laughs> so sometimes I feel like I'm one, but not quite. Uh, I missed the boat on that, unfortunately. Uh, but rock and roll is all we do. I'm a rock and roll DJ. I run a radio station. We own a music center. He's a drummer. So that's, you know, without rock and roll, there's not much to us, to be quite frank with you. Wow, cool. Do you, do you ever get a chance to go to Yoshi's? Oh, sure. We love Yoshi. Yeah. Absolutely. There was a there was a nice place to play, too. The people there were really good. Always yeah, had a good crowd there. That's Yoshi's, an iconic yeah. place here in the Bay, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We played Your the one new in album Oakland, has. What's that? We played the one in Oakland, mainly. Yeah. 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 Um, your new album, uh, Blues All Around, only been out two weeks, maybe, or three weeks, something like that. Um, yeah. And of course, this is the final album uh, after Kim's passing. Uh, so I want to make sure everyone goes and, and finds that and goes straight to the website. You can get it on all the streaming platforms and all of that as well. But, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of physical music. I still like a good <laughs> vinyl. <laughs> yeah. yeah, vinyls were, yeah. Yeah, you'll, you'll rip my vinyl out of my cold, dead hands, uh, I always yeah. say. Uh, but there really is something magical about having that full experience. So SavoyBrown.com. But I do, I know you guys have to get on stage, so I don't want to keep you too long, but I do have one more um, question. And, and it's really pertinent for you too, because we're talking about legacy, especially after Kim's passing. And I actually, I always ask this uh, question at the end of my interviews, but I feel like it's a real poignant one here. Um, and it's from the movie Almost Famous. Have you guys ever seen that movie from the late 90s? Yes. Okay. So in the last frame of that film, the question is asked, what do you love about music? Hmm. And the pause is part of the answer (laughs) because it's Ah. a heavier question than it sounds like. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I think it's different for, for different people. If you ask fans, they're going to get, give you a different answer than uh, you're going to get from me. I mean, for me, it's, it's how, you're connecting the music to that, you know, with them, with the fans. So uh, if there's nothing better than if, if you, you know, you've made a connection an, an emotional connection to, uh, to uh, with an audience, you know, that's, that's yeah. a cool thing. But uh, there's also the, from a music, a musician standpoint, there's the interior process where, you know, the three of us, are on stage with Kim, for example. I mean, there were times where, 
you weren't quite sure where it was going and where it was going to end. You know, the so the solo sections were often uh, ad lib sections. It wasn't they weren't planned out. So it was we were just playing off of each other. So that's a whole different kind of emotion, you know, your feelings. So, but the, again, uh, that's one of the most beautiful things about blues, might I add? Yeah, 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 exactly. It's very cathartic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it's like you're. You're taking people and yourselves basically on a journey where they, uh, you know, you're just going someplace and you're probably never going to see that place or hear that place or whatever, any sensation ever again. Yeah. It's usually once, once in a, once that, once it's there, it's there and it's gone. Yeah. It's just a, mo- a moment in time. Yep. Oh, now see, that's why I asked that question because you never get the same answer twice. And I absolutely love that. One day, I swear I'm going to take all these answers from all these years and put them back to back to back so that we can just have sort of a a story of what music means to people because it gives me goosebumps every single time. Well, you know, we we mentioned, of course, that Kim passed and uh, God rest his soul. But that is one of the most magical things about music <laughs> is once we're all dead and gone, you people who are musicians, you get to live on forever. I don't see, but you do. People will be consuming your music forever more. So congratulations for being immortal. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm getting a new outfit tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys go hit the stage. Get out of the, uh, what we decided was a Bentley. Yeah, we're in a Bentley. Bentley. Yes, yeah, yes. Get ba- out of the Bentley. Get on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I really, really loved I love those guys. They were super down. Like I said, I've, I've interviewed people at festivals before, yeah. like and that's a different vibe, but oh, never yeah. in the back of a tour or the Lamborghini. Excuse me. They did say it was a Lamborghini. Oh, right. It was. Yeah. OK, well, <laughs> it was a Lamborghini. I'm using oh, air quotes. Oh, OK, OK. <laughs> so gullible. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Nice. Yeah. No, we were all in the back uh, seat of the car, which sounds. Different than sounds I very would. rock and roll. It does yeah, sound very rock and roll. Jay, we'll if you're listening, we'll just leave it. <laughs> Jay, if you're listening, she still loves you. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so we need to tell you that our our 40th anniversary TV season is imminent. It's March 30th at 3 p.m. Check it out. Uh, if you don't catch it live, it's going to be uh, just streaming uh, on our website uh, around the clock, and you can also watch it on demand. At all the places at SoundWavesTV.com at 1077thebone.com on our Roku channel at SoundWavesTV. We're very, very excited. Lots of fun stuff. We 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 say this to set up the next TMI because what happened was <laughs> <laughs> you hear everybody check yeah. this out. Yeah. So we did a thing on the on the show. We have um, a segment called the Mass Debate because we're you know fourteen years old and we chew on a topic and we thought let's do this live in a bar while drinking in front of a crowd. Bad idea. And then we decided, hey, let's do a podcast because all the hosts are here. Yeah. And as soon as we introed the thing, well, uh, it sounded like this. You and know, I, if I, I've only got I one free hand, I'm going. I, know. I got nothing. I got nothing. Get us back on the rails. Pull oh, us oh, back on the rails. It is. See, it is. This, right. So imagine that on drugs. Yeah. See? Oh, no. That's I what can't. you want? Is that what you want? All right, no one so wants that. Note to see. Note to Notice, self. No nobody wants that. Everyone's yeah. like, you got to shut more up. And uh, and that's why this podcast is replacing that one. But we are going to salvage part of that yeah. for next time. There is some, some good. There's in some there. really good stuff in there <laughs> that you will be able to understand. Yes, exactly. exactly. We promise. <laughs> so uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. And um, uh, we'll see you next time. Sounds good. Adios. Cheers to that. Bye. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Soundwaves TMI, featuring Chasta, Stephen Kirk, and yours truly, Dennis Willis. The part of the announcer was played by Kelly Ogden. 
Please like and subscribe to Soundwaves TMI wherever you are listening from. Soundwaves TMI is presented in part by the Longboard Bar in Pacifica, California, a world-class music venue and neighborhood bar all under one roof. Also, please consider helping us continue our mission of lifting and supporting independent music and the Bay Area music scene by becoming a Soundwaves patron. In exchange, you'll be the first to see and hear weekly shows such as Soundwaves TV, Soundwaves FM, and the Soundwaves TMI podcast, as well as exclusive content. Just go to patreon.com slash TV. For all things Soundwaves, follow us on social media at Soundwaves TV or just go to soundwavestv.com. 